Thank you guys for having me and for being here tonight. It is so fun. I promised I didn't bring anything glittery because whenever there's going to be dudes here, I know that that's not like the best way to your heart. So, or like moms actually, because kindergartners bring that stuff home from school and you don't like it. And I really do. I, um, uh, just got back from, I was in Toronto a couple of days this week. We actually were, my friend Eliza, who travels with me and I, we were in Cape May last weekend. Close to you, yes, yes, I know. It's, sure, casual clapping. I liked it too. I casually clap, liked it too. Um, it rained just like it did when we got here or when you were trying to get here and you got wet. Um, I've never seen rain like you have, Pennsylvania. I don't know. Eliza and I were talking, we were like, is God trying to tell us something? Why does it pour rain every time we're here this week? It was very bizarre. I mean, it was, well, you live here, so you know what Saturday was like, but I mean, we had, we landed Saturday afternoon and I was doing a Saturday night, Sunday morning at a church and we, so we had like a, an extra hour. And so we were like, we should get a crab cake. Because a couple, a thing happened a couple of years ago. We travel about uh, three, two to three weekends a month. And a thing happened where we realized we were only seeing like the inside of churches, which is beautiful. Thank you for having me. The inside of hotel rooms and the inside of airplanes, <laughs> right? So we were traveling around the country and seeing nothing that was like unique. And so we decided in every city, we're going to eat somewhere that is very local. So today we ate at 320 you know, you know the rest of it. Yes, 320 Market Cafe in Media. Look at all the things I know to say. I'm so local, <laughs> like practically from here. Um, it was delicious. I had a veggie burger. It was so good. But so we tried to do that. So we decided to get a crab cake. We go inside. It's just pouring rain. And I mean, I have to go, literally, I have to go from that crab cake place to, a, to this, to a stage. And it is pouring rain and we don't have an umbrella because we're yahoos. And so we look out and there is the owner of the crab cake place is just like standing there with us. And we were like, why is there so much water? He's like, oh yeah, it doesn't drain well here. It creates a river on the sidewalk. We were like, we, yep, they did. So I have to like roll my pants up, take my shoes off. And I literally run out, throw open the back door because the river is so deep, I can't even get to the driver's side. <laughs> I'm having a great time in New Jersey. So, I mean, we just like, I opened the back door and just dove in and closed the door behind me. And I was like, well, now no one's there to drive us because <laughs> I just dove into the back seat like a superhero. But, uh, and then we experienced the rain again today. So thank you all for that. I, uh, Laura did a beautiful, overly generous job of introducing me. But if we haven't met before, my name is Annie, and I am really glad to be here with you. We always put the middle initial with my name because there's another Annie Downs. Have you ever Googled your own name and seen all the other U's that exist? It's heartbreaking. The other, the other Annie Downs is incredibly famous for one thing. She makes the best quilting patterns in the world. She's Australian. She makes me insane. She is, I get tagged all the time. You can go look on like my Instagram and it'll be like one of my books, me on a stage, three puppy dog patterns that just released from, from Australia. Thank you, other Annie Downs. And so I'm always Annie F. Downs everywhere we go. Um, so a couple of things I'll warn you before we jump in. Number one, I laugh really loud and here's the problem. I am my own biggest fan. And so... What will happen? Are any of y'all school teachers? Is anybody teaching a school? Okay. I used to teach elementary school. Yes, round of applause for y'all because summer's almost over. Um, I used to teach elementary school, and there's this thing teachers can do, and maybe it's just an adult thing, but I just experienced it as a teacher. We're like, I can be teaching math, but my head is getting, in my head, I'm going, okay, we have to stop at a certain time because I have to do hand sanitizer before we get lunch, right? So my mouth is doing one thing, my brain's doing another. And I can still do that. But what happens is I can be like talking about the Bible and the next joke comes into my head. And before it gets out, I've cracked myself up. <laughs> and so I just feel like I should warn you that I may blurt laughing because I think I'm hilarious. And then when I get it out, you'll agree, but it'll just take a second. And it's just loud. And so that I think you need to be warned of. And the other thing is I'm kind of a crier, but I appreciate that there are stacks of boxes of tissues here, which indicate I've come home, <laughs> So, which I really appreciate. So I'm going to be fine. But if I tear up, what kind of happens is sometimes when I talk about Jesus, my face leaks. And so I just need to warn you about that. I just think the world of him. And when we get to talking about how my life is different because of Jesus, uh, my face responds as well. 
I love getting to travel for my job. It's one of my very favorite parts of this. Not only getting to, you know, dive into the back of cars in New Jersey, but or going to a great veggie burger spot today, but just getting to meet and make friends in new cities and go over the place. The other beautiful thing is that I always fly Delta, and so I build up a lot of sky miles. And so I get to travel to places on my time off. And I love, like this year, my, I have a cousin who lives in China, and so I got to see China earlier this summer, which is awesome. Except you can't read anything there. They don't use letters, and it is hard. And so luckily he and his wife do know how to read Chinese. So I was fine. And then I was in Canada this weekend or earlier this week. And, um, at the end of August, I get to go back to Scotland. Scotland is like, I used to live there. Has anybody been to Edinburgh? Any of you guys ever been to Scotland? We need to go. We just need to go. Not enough of you know, you just don't know what it's like. It's beautiful. And they have awesome accents. Just picture everyone sounds like Shrek, but is way cuter right? It's just the best. It's one of my very favorite places. I lived there for most of 2011, uh, helping work with a church plant and helping them build their college ministry. It was so funny because I was already living in Nashville. I grew up in Atlanta, but I was living in Nashville and the pastor of the church calls me and I'd always kind of dreamed about living there. And he knew that we discussed it. And he said, Hey, I think I've got a job for you if you'd like to come over. And at that point I'd written one book, and we had, my agent and I had sent it out to publishers, and it was a real hit. It got 47 no's. <laughs> Sounds like my dating life. It's fine. We'll talk about it later. But it was awful. And at the end of that, it was just like, well, we got 47 no's. Like, there's, that's more no's than there are publishers in the world, right? And so I'm never going to get to be an author or a, a teacher, speaker kind of thing. And so I'm not going to pursue this anymore. And it kind of put that dream aside. And this pastor calls and says, we've got this job for you at this church in Scotland. And I thought, oh, this is working out beautifully. The Lord has just orchestrated it. And, and I thought, well, this better be a great job. And he says, um, I didn't say that. That'd be so rude. I thought, this better be a great job. And if I'm leaving my country and my home and whatever. And he says, uh, we've, we've kind of titled it like party starter. And I was like, in, in, a hundred percent. You want me to help you throw parties for Jesus? I'm down with that, right? And it's awesome because in the UK, I don't know how many of you know this, but in the UK, it's the average is that 97% of people do not go to church. What happened is our, my grandparents' generation, the World War II generation, quit going to church. And so there are college students who look just like you, speak English just like you. They eat at Subway, they shop at H&M, they watch the same Netflix you do, and they have never heard that Jesus died and rose again, ever. In fact, I was sitting with a college student when I was there named Christina, and I, we had had coffee a couple of times. I, I would, you know, create these events, and we would throw them, and then college students would come, we'd meet them, and then we'd invite them to church. And so Christina and I were sitting there, she was from England, and we were t- I was just kind of telling her, after we'd had coffee a couple of times, I was kind of just saying to her, hey, I, I kind of want to tell you why I'm here. I want to tell you what would make me move to an- another country, what kind of love would make me do that, right? And so I'm telling her about Jesus, and, and she's heard enough. Like, she would say, oh, yeah, I've heard his name on TV. People say it sometimes when they're cussing. And I was like, yeah, I was probably sure. And... Um, and, I, and so I'm telling her the story of Easter and of Good Friday and how Jesus died. And three days later, he rose again. And she said, he came back to life? And I was like, this is, this is first world, y'all, right now. This is first world. That is the reality of Europe, a lot of Europe. And so it was a, such a joy and an honor to live there and get to help kind of start this community that was reaching college students who, who literally have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ ever. So the next, uh, while I'm living there, I have some friends from college. I went to the University of Georgia, go dog Sikkim. And some of my friends from college lived in Prague. And I thought, this will be so fun. I'm like right there. <laughs> I don't look at maps a lot. I'm like right there. I should just pop over and spend the weekend with them. And so I get this really cheap flight. And, and at this point, I'd lived there for about four or five months, and I had about two months left, and then I was coming home for Thanksgiving, and my plan was to move back, and so I was just coming home long enough to get all my paperwork together, to get the last few things of my things sold, and I would move back long term. Uh, Spoiler alert, 
didn't happen. I'm here. <laughs> I dive into cars in New Jersey. And so, uh, but we, I went to go visit them and I, I, I'm just not like the sharpest knife in the drawer. And I took my passport with me because I'm not a Yahoo, but I didn't take like all the papers with me that allowed me to live in the country. Because I didn't think it mattered because I kind of thought going from European Union nation to another was like going from state to state. Like I thought like, well, if, if Scotland will let me in there, anybody will let me in. <laughs> Right? And so I get to Prague, have a great time. I'm coming back. It's a Monday night. And we land at like 8-ish. And when you walk through into customs, into like passport control in the Edinburgh airport, there's two distinct lines. There's EU and there's other. And EU is like 198 passengers. And other is like me and a Canadian chick. And that's it. Right? So I've like already texted my flatmate, my like roommate, and I had said to her, hey, I'm, you know, I just got to buzz through here and then I'll be in a cab on the way home. And, and I get up and the guy's name tag says Richard and, and he doesn't look like thrilled to be a person, but he's there, right? Like he's not like overly happy about anything, but he's there. And he, and I hand him my passport and he kind of looks at it and he looks up at me and says, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I live here. I'm like, you know, I'm, at the time I was also working on a book and I was like, I'm, I'm writing and, um, but I'm, you know, I'm here and I, I live here all the time and here's my address. And he says, take a seat. And I was like, ew, that's a strange turn. And then the Canadian chick goes through, classic, right? And so she's fine and she's, and meanwhile, the 198 over here are just like a carousel. Like there's no stopping them. And I'm sitting and Canada goes through and I, and Richard calls me back up. And he says, um, you're not allowed to be here. And I was like, what? Yeah, I am. Like, I live here. I live on Mardell Crescent. I can tell you everything. And he was like, you don't have the right stamps in your passport. And I, was, and I went real Southern on him because we think that's cute. It's not. But we think that'll get us somewhere. It doesn't. And so I go into like, oh, my gosh, Richard. I forgot the rest of my papers. I've got them. They're in a folder in my apartment. I'm so sorry. Can I like, can I call my roommate? Can I? And he's like not having it, not, because I already told you he didn't want to be a person. And he's just like not having it at all with me. And he says, I need you to give me the phone number of someone who will tell me that you really live here. And I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. And so I read him off my flatmate, Rebecca's phone number. He walks around a corner into a room that has one-sided glass, two-sided. He can see me. I can't see him. I think I'm seeing me. He's also seeing me. That kind of wall. And, and he comes back real quick and he walks up and he says, Miss Downs, you and I both know that's not a real phone number. And I was like, I mean, have we all been friends long enough? Do I look like I'm going to try to sneak into a country? Does Jason Bourne ever use passport control? No, I'm not trying to sneak in there. I'm just trying to come home. And I was like, Richard, no, I no, it's that is Rebecca's phone number, and I'm like, here, and he says, he says, are you sure? You know, you gave me the right number, and I'm like, take my phone, take my phone. He takes my phone, so now he has my passport and my phone, so I might as well be naked, right? He's just got everything, and he walks around the corner, and he comes back, and he says, I'm gonna give you one more chance to tell me the truth, and I'm like. Why is Rebecca not answering the phone? <laughs> you guys, answer your phones. People could be in line at passport control. She's just not answering because I'm thinking, I just texted her. I know it's in her paw, right? Like, I know it's right there. She's just not answering. Oh, my gosh, I was so lit about the whole thing. I was like, oh, and I'm terrified, right? I'm terrified because this guy then says to me, I'm going to give you one more chance, and then I'm going to deport you. And I was like, things just went up a notch, right? Because, and at the time, I didn't have like a full understanding of deportation. I knew that when I left, I could never come back. I knew that was true. I know that 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 was the law, that when you get deported from the UK, you can never come back. And I I was like, how am I gonna get my stuff? Is there like a tiny, like, bad people airplane they're gonna put me on that they like always have sitting ready and they're just gonna be like, back to Georgia, right? Like, just send her and I don't get like any snacks, right? Like I thought, what is going to happen <laughs> as I, <laughs> I, I tell this story to my friends a lot and I've never made that snack joke and I'm so proud of it. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. I'm taking it with me everywhere. Um, 
My dad is a CPA, but he does stand up on the side because those go together perfectly. And, and so I come by this real honest, but these are the nights I call my dad and I'm like, you're going to love this one. Um, but so anyway, I'm terrified. In all reality, at this point, I am really scared because I'm thinking I'm not done here. I'm not supposed to leave yet. I have a ticket that tells me when I'm going home, it's not right now. And what am I supposed to do here? And so he says, I'm giving you one more chance. And, and at this point, all that's left in the airport is Richard, angry Richard, scared Annie, two Scottish security guards with my suitcase in between them. And they are, they're not thrilled with me per se. Um, they are just like having to stand there in my suitcase. I was like, you can just roll it to me and go home. I get it, you know? And so uh, he asked for one more phone number. So I give him the number of the pastor at the church where I'm volunteering and working. And, And he goes around the corner and he tells me to sit down. And I sit down and I am in my mind, I am working through this thing. And, and if you've read this story in the Bible before of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm kind of working through a similar thing in my mind of like, what's going to happen here when all I was doing was what I thought I was supposed to do? Like, I thought I had done all this well. Have you ever had that happen where you're like, wait, I did everything I was supposed to do. Why isn't this working? And I was there. I was there and I was uh, super scared. I was super scared because I didn't want this thing to end that I loved. And he's gone for like half an hour. And that is a long time when you're by yourself without your phone. Can I get an amen? We do not have to be that long without our telephones while we're awake anymore. So I just sat there and the whole time I thought, I I don't know how to do this well. The only thing I know to do is to stay here. There's this exercise called a plank. Do you know it? It's terrible. Yeah, I won't do it because we won't be friends afterwards. But it is like, if you've never done it, it's like a push-up, but you never get to push up. You just have to stay there. And sometimes I think there are these opportunities in our spiritual lives to plank as well. Because the thing about a plank is it doesn't look hard, does it? The person isn't going anywhere. It's not like a crab walk or a burpee blessings, right? It's not any of that stuff. You are literally just staying there. You are just staying there. And if you are watching someone do a a plank, you think that is not a thing. Like that doesn't look hard. If you've done one, you know that like eight seconds in, you're crying for your mother. Because the thing about a plank is the only way you really hold it is if every muscle group in your body gets involved, right? Your arms have to be engaged. Your core has to be engaged. Your legs. I mean, if you do it long enough and well enough, you'll have a sore like ear the next day, (laughs) right? Every part of you grows and changes when you plank. That's why those mean people at the gym make you do it a lot. Is because it is, an, it is an exercise that engages all of who you are. And I'm telling y'all, over and over again, I see in my life that if I will do planks about stuff that's going on in my spiritual life, it changes all of me. If I will wait when I'm tired of waiting, if I will hold when I want to give up, if I will just stay when I think I want to quit, everything changes. I am so much stronger My spiritual muscles are stronger if I will just stay. So I thought about that sitting there with Richard. I didn't have much of a choice because there's no going backwards. (laughs) Just send me right back to Prague, right? (laughs) And they're not letting me out. So, but I'm having to sit there and stay in a place, and maybe you've experienced this too, but I had to stay in a place that said, no matter what happens here, I am holding the truth that God is good and God is in control. I've only been on this planet 38 years, so I have a way much more to do and long, long to go, I hope. But what I have learned so far and what I keep learning is the less I try to control and the more I hold this idea that he's in control, the better I feel. <laughs> Doesn't make the situations better, the stories better. Just the better I feel, the stronger I feel. Another author friend of mine um, had a heart attack last night and died. And she's a mom of four. So we will, we will pray for her at the end. Her name is Winter Pitts. 
and um, she's had a heart attack, 38 years old, had a heart attack last night. And her teenage daughter wrote this Instagram post today. And last night when the nurse told her that her mom had passed away, the nurse said, I want you to remember this one thing. God is with you. If you don't remember anything else I tell you this whole time, remember God is with you. And so this teenager writes, you may remember her if you saw War Room. She was in War Room. She was a little girl in War Room. She writes and says, I don't understand any of this. I don't know why. It's my family. I just know that God somehow is in control. And I thought, man, that girl is just holding. She's not doing any kind of pushing up. She's not making any big proclamation. She's not saying she's fine or it's okay because it's, it's not fine. It's not okay. That stuff shouldn't happen. Little girls shouldn't lose their mamas. But she's saying, I can stay right here. I can't go anywhere, but I can stay right here. Man, I've experienced that too, have you? I've experienced that too. I haven't had tragedy like what she's experiencing, but I've had moments of all I know to do is say that you're good, God, and pray that you prove it. And that's all that family knows to do today. So I think you'll find this really interesting. The, the definition of courage in the Bible, it, it, it is not, it, it says that, I'm sorry, not in the Bible, in the dictionary. The definition of courage in the dictionary, it says it's the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, or pain without fear. And I am not like one to pick a fight with Merriam-Webster, but I just am not sure that's a great definition. Because I don't know anyone who's done anything hard and then later said to me, yeah, I wasn't afraid at all. Yeah, I didn't hear any whispers of fear in my head. I just like knew I was going to do great, so I just did it. <laughs> right? Like that, I don't know anybody that feels that way. In fact, I would say the really brave people, the people you know and respect in your life, the moments when you have done the thing and felt the most courageous, the moment when Winner's daughter sat there and typed that Instagram post out, those people hear the whispers of fear and doubt and they just don't listen to them anymore. Right? They just don't listen to them anymore. And that's what courage looks like to me. And when you're waiting, when you're holding, when you're believing God for something, when you're persevering, when you're like spiritually planking, you're being really brave. Because a lot of people would lay down and you don't. You don't. I want to look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego real quick with you. It is, I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's in Daniel 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. Or if you have your phone, you can, if you have your phone jokes, you have your phone. Um, if you want to look, you can look with me. I'm going to read from the message version for a couple of reasons. Part of it is, I think that for those of us who grew up in church, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego becomes a story that you know so well. If you've watched Veggie Tales, you've watched Rack, Shack, and Benny. You know, the bunny, the bunny, oh, I love the bunny. I know, I used to babysit, I know, and watch it with my friends, it's fine. Um, but you just get so used to the story, and when I read it the first time in the message version, it read so differently to me. It read so differently to me, and so I, I just want to read this to you and tell you the story of these three men and what their courage looks like, what their planking really looked like, and see if you can connect to it like it connects to my life at times. The way it starts is, this is in Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue of gold, and, and he, they say everyone has to bow and worship. When the music plays, everyone has to bow and worship, except there are people in Babylon that follow the one true God like you and I do. And so when the music plays, if they bow to this statue, they're bowing to something besides the God they worship, and that's really concerning. The problem is, if you don't bow, you get thrown in a fire. And so that's like a hard decision, 
right? And here's something I, I want you to think about whether you grew up reading the Bible or not. The, it actually changed, someone told me this like two years ago, and it totally changed how I read the Bible forever. It changed how I read the Bible forever because what they said to me is no one in the Bible knew how their story was going to end. Because you and I think about uh, Noah and the ark, and we know the rainbow. You know who didn't know the rainbow? Noah and his wife. You and I, if you've read that story before, you know it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. You know who didn't know how long it was going to rain? Noah and his family. It's not like on day 39, his wife was like, you guys, one more, we're going to do this. We're going to be fine. We've done it. One more. Probably more like day 24, she's laying her head down and going like, did God save us just to kill us? Like, it's still raining. Right? And we think their lives are so different than ours because we see how their story ends and you don't know how your story ends. And the truth is, they had no idea how their story was going to end. So when we read Daniel 3, if you know how it ends, can you maybe try to pretend like you don't and hear the story brand new? Because when the music plays and everyone bows, our friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the music plays and everyone bows, they don't bow. And they know what it's going to cost them. They stay standing when everyone else goes down. And, and I don't know how it was. And this is one of my favorite things about the Bible because we don't know what it looked like. I, I hope when we get to heaven, there's like a movie theater. This isn't in the Bible. So like, don't hold me to it when we get there. Or God might make me build it. But I want there to be like a movie theater where we sit down and we can watch any Bible story that we've ever read and like watch it, watch it, like in color. Right? So we can like see what it actually looks like. Because how, there's two versions of the story in my mind. One version is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are these three guys that have worked their way up in the Babylonian government. They're only in their like mid-20s. These aren't like adults. Sorry, mid-20s. These aren't like grown men. These are young men. And the music plays, and they could all be standing right next to each other. And the music plays, and they go, don't bow, bro. Don't bow, bro. Right? And they all stand there. How does the story change to you if Shadrach is over here and he hears the music and he sees the statue and he thinks, I, I can't bow. I only worship God. And so he just stays standing. And then as the crowd bows, he looks to his right and like 30 yards over, Meshach didn't bow either. That's a different story to me, right? That's why I want to watch it. <laughs> Because I want to know, were they standing together? Were they separated? Either way, when the three of them remain standing, and have you thought about this? What if there were actually five of them that were best friends and two of them bowed? I don't know. I don't know. There was at le- in my life, there's always at least one friend that we don't know, right? That bowed, and that, that steps out of the story. And it's just interesting to me. Were there more of them? And the three, our three guys stay standing and... And they realize, like, wait, he bowed? He bowed just to save his life. So the three of them are tied up and brought before the king. And this is where we're going to pick up. This is verse 13, I think. I'll, I'll double check it in here because I don't have the verses written down well in my... I have to sing the books of the Bible from VBS when I was a kid. So... That's the only way I can find it. But I found it. Thank you, VBS. <laughs> yeah, verse 13. Mm-hmm. I just, just trust in my soul. <laughs> Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. And when the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'm giving you a second chance, but from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I've made. If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar. Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, Listen to this. The God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. 
I mean, talk about some dudes holding on. We know what God can do. You know in your life what God can do. You know what he can do. He's not limited. That thing you've been praying for, he can do that. That healing you've been praying for, he can do that. That provision, that new job or spouse or kids or house, that thing you want, he can do that. But even if he doesn't, what are you going to do if he doesn't? Right? That, that's the hard thing for me. Right? Even if he doesn't, we won't bow to anyone else. I want to see it because I want to watch if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing together, like which of them said which sentence? Did they have like a spokesman? Were they crying? Were they doing that thing that like mid-20-year-old dudes do where they're like standing and they, act, they look like they're really cool about everything, but they're not cool on the inside? And so they're like shoulders are pushing into each other, but they're not holding hands because they're not holding hands. Right? Whereas like me and my friends are like, <laughs> hold me. Right? They're, what, what are they doing and who is saying what? And which one of them said, even if he doesn't? Because that guy's held some planks before. He knows. We know what God can do. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. Remember, this furnace was already used to melt the metal, the gold that made the statue. It is already gold melting temperature times seven. Right? That's hot. When you get home, don't do it now, it'll make me insecure. When you get home, you can Google uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, and there are some artist renderings of what they think it looked like historically, and it's fascinating. It's massive. It's totally, I mean, it's not a picture, but it's <laughs> close. It's cool. It's worth looking at. This idea that he turns it up seven times hotter, and he ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Because the king was in such a hurry, and the furnace was so hot, flames from the furnace carried the men, sorry, killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it, and while the fire raged around them. I mean, that is a detail in the Bible, right? Like, the, it, it didn't say the smoke killed them, killed the soldiers. It didn't say the heat. It said literally the size of the flames came out and licked the soldiers. That is fire. And then all we know is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall into the furnace. And if the story ended there, we would have so much to learn. There's so much to learn from that about what it looks like to, to stay true to what you believe even when the story doesn't turn out the way you think it will. But that's not how the story ends, which I think is really awesome. Suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Here's what happens. If you feel like you're in the middle of fire, if, when you even hear this story, it makes your stomach hurt because you think that is my story. Here are the two things that happen when you're in the fire. Are you ready? First up, they're walking around freely. Whatever has bound you up burns off. You don't burn up. Your clothes don't burn up. What was holding you back burns up. So when I feel like I'm in the fire with God, where I go, this isn't a situation I thought we'd be in. I thought you'd rescue me. I say to him, burn it off. Something has tied me up. Burn it off. I'm only in here because you're trying to set me free. Does that feel good? No, because I'm probably crying. I, if, if I read my journal to you, A, that'd be so weird. B, you would see over and over for about the last two months, I have said, hurt me to protect me. 
if it hurts my feelings, but you protect me, I'm okay with that. Burn it off. He did. <laughs> but he protected me. I know it. And the second thing that happens is the son of God walks with you. He put three men in the fire and then he looks down and there are four. Was it Jesus? Was it an angel? We don't know. We'll ask when we get there. My friend Winter knows. Doesn't she? She knows. But we don't know. And so what happens when you are in the fire is it burns off. And you get to be with Jesus. When you are in that place where you're just holding on to what you know is true and your circumstances isn't going the way you thought it would, you are not alone. And whatever has been holding you back is burning off. That's what's true. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing in the Bible. I'm not making any of this up. I'm not like a motivational anything except an Annie. I'm just an Annie. And I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Here's what happens next. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the high God, come out here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government leaders and the king's counselors, gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't so much as touched the three men. Not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. Like, I can't go to McDonald's and not smell like a French fry. (laughs) Right? I usually, I, I like to also talk about the Waffle House. Do you know the Waffle House? You can't leave there and not smell like regret, right? I mean, that's the only option. And they have been in a fire and they don't even smell like smoke? Friend, I don't know what you're in and I don't know what he's burning off. But I'm telling you, he will pull you out. He will rescue you and you will not even smell like smoke. You can't imagine it now because it feels really hot because in order for the ropes to burn off their wrists, there had to be fire very close. I know, it feels really hot for some of you, maybe for all of us in some ways. It's burning off and you're not even gonna smell like smoke. And then here is what happens. This is why it matters because you persevering and not giving up, you believing that God is who he says he is, you holding these spiritual planks in your life, it is not about just you. Here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any God but their own. Therefore, I issued this decree. Anyone, anywhere of any race, color, or creed who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Get ready. We'll be ripped to pieces. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. Limb from limb and their house is torn down. I'm like, is Richard in your family line, Nebuchadnezzar? (laughs) Because y'all got some anger issues. I need everybody to take some like anger management classes and settle down. You ain't got to rip people up, son. But he didn't ask me. And then here's what he says. This is my favorite line in the whole story. Nebuchadnezzar says, there has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. If I got like massive tattoos, I would put that on my body. There's never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. What happens when you hold on? What happens when I see Winter's daughter's Instagram stories? I think there's never been a God who could pull off a rescue like our God does. He's holding her. There's never been a God who could pull off a rescue like he's pulled off for you before. And like he'll pull off for you again. There's never been a God who can pull off a rescue like that. So Richard's on the phone with the pastor. And he's gone for, you know, I told you half an hour. And toward the end of it, I can hear him yelling. And I can hear Pastor Tom yelling back. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I'm getting deported for sure. (laughs) If they're in a verbal argument... I'm in big trouble here because I'm like the pawn that's going to get played. It was bad. He comes back around. He is red and sweaty and fire engine mad. And I'm like, can't be good. And so I just kind of let him like sitting 
very politely. And I look, I'm looking down and he says, Miss Downs, and he uses his hand and like, come here, real grumpy. So I like walk up to him and, and the whole time I'd been sitting there, I kind of started praying this kind of prayer. If, if you need a prayer when you're in the fire, if you need a prayer when you're in the moment and you don't know what's going to happen, I say things like, help me like you help the boys in the fire. Rescue me. And, and over and over I said to God, I, I know what you can do here. And if you don't, I'm not going to worship anybody else. Right? I, 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 I'm not, not going to leave you over this one, Lord. If I'm supposed to go back to the U.S. tonight, I'll go. I trust this, but I really want to stay. I really want to stay. I'm not done here. And so Richard's looking at me. He takes this stamp and he slams it onto my passport. He says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to let you stay. And I was like, Right? Because I'm like, I don't want to say a single thing that makes you change your mind. And he was like, but I'm putting this stamp in your passport that says, when you leave next month, you can't come back for six months. You're not allowed in the country. I want to be like, I don't have a plan, sir. But I didn't, because that's super rude and a great way to get kicked out of a country. And uh, so, and then he says, um, and I don't like that man on the phone. All right. He slides my passport, my phone back to me and says, and I hope I never see you again. And I was like, Richard. <laughs> like, I, A, I wasn't planning on us getting coffee later. I didn't think this was the start of a beautiful friendship. But also, we could have said hi at the grocery store. When he said that, something changed in me because I realized this was not about me and him. There's a scripture that says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And I went, oh, this is bigger than this. This is bigger than this. So here's what I want you to remember. When you're planking, when you're holding something, when you're believing God for something, when you are in pain, one, it's not just about you. Because did you see what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar and our three guys? He changed the law of the whole land when they believe that God is who he said he is. The world around you changes every time you hold a plank and believe that God is who he says he is. When you do the best you can. That happens every time. The second thing is, it's not just about you. There's stuff going on that you cannot see. And I want you to win. And so we just don't give up. We just don't give up. So I take my passport and my phone and I get my luggage from the two guys who are just like over me and I get in a cab and I give the guy my address and I do this thing, I'm sure, dude, you do this too, but ladies, I know we do. I do this thing where as soon as I've said the last part of my address, my face explodes because I hadn't been crying at all and suddenly I'm crying out of everything. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like doing like the real weepy kind of stuff because suddenly I was like on the way home and he couldn't get me anymore. And the driver's like, oh, love, did somebody break up with you? And I was like, rude. That is a hugely rude assumption. No, I almost got kicked out of your country, (laughs) guy. When I went back, uh, that was a couple of years ago, I went back last fall to see some friends who had had a baby. And when I walked up, Richard and I were at gate number two in 2011. I walked up to gate number three and the woman opens my passport and I still have the same passport. I need to lose it and get a new one. But I still have the same passport. as But she says, hmm, did we give you trouble or did you give us trouble? And I was like, a little bit of both. (laughs) I was like, it was mostly Richard at number two. She's like, I know Richard. I was like, I should go. (laughs) This should be the end of this because I don't want you being like, Richard, your friend, right? Like, I don't want to see him again ever in my whole life. Like never one time do I ever want to see him again. Sounds terrible. But what I've learned from this story and what I've seen over and over in my own life and what I want you to know is that maybe I flew here just to tell you not to give up. Just don't give up. The thing you're praying for, don't give up. Don't give up. Pray every day until you can't pray anymore, meaning until you die, not until you're tired of it. Keep praying. 
This thing happens when you pray, when you keep praying for something you've started praying for, the situation will change. That's how God made prayer. That, he created prayer so that when we talk to him, he changes his mind sometimes. He, he moves things when we pray. But also, when you pray, you change. So keep praying for the thing. The thing that you want, keep wanting it. The thing that is hurting you that you think this is never going to change, keep believing it could change. If you are in the fire, do not give up. In a room this size with this many people, there's bound to be someone who at some point in the last 24 hours has thought about ending this thing. Like, really? And I probably am here just for you. Because I'm telling you, don't give up. The morning always comes. Darkness lasts for the night, but morning always comes. We actually know that's true because do you remember last night after dinner it got dark? And then when you woke up, it was light. That's never not happened. That happens every night and every morning. We can look in the natural and see what God is doing in the spiritual. And what we can know is true is that morning always comes. Morning always comes. So if you're in pain, if you're in darkness, if you are in the fire, this will not last forever. I don't, you, I, you can tell me the story. I'm he- happy to hear the story. I don't have to hear the story to tell you this will not last forever. You are going to be rescued. You're going to be rescued. And it is worth it for what is building in you and who you are becoming because you're affecting the people around you. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, I'll read this one last scripture and then I'll pray for us. In 2 Corinthians, in the, this is verse four, sorry, chapter four, verse 16. It says, this is again the message version. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There is far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. There is more here than meets the eye. And you know what I love? The the message version says right there, so we're not giving up. The NIV version, my Bible says in that same scripture, therefore we do not lose what? Who knows it? Heart. Therefore we do not lose heart. So we are not giving up. Do you know what happens when you give up? You lose your heart. That's what this is saying to me, is that when we give up, you lose your heart. Don't lose your heart. Don't lose your heart. Do not give up. Do not give up. Listen, I, I have things I've been waiting for for a long time. People I want to see healed. Stories I want to see changed. 38 and not married. Right? Richard, yeah. <laughs> That's the worst story I've ever heard. Don't tell me any more stories. But here's what I can tell you. I can give up on what I hope God can do and I will lose my heart. It will stop being soft. Or I can hope and wait and cry and believe and pray and ask every day. But I'm not giving up because I'm not willing to lose my heart. I'm not willing to lose my heart. So... Eliza, will you do me a quick favor? Will you pull up Winter and Jonathan's kids' names so we can pray for them by name? If y'all don't mind me doing that. I just think we have an opportunity tonight as a family to pray for some of our family when we pray. But I'm praying for you too. Um, I'm gonna ask you to do something. It's not super weird, it's just tiny weird. Um, When we pray, uh, will you just hold your neighbor's hand? Will y'all just go ahead and hold hands? Because here's the thing that happens when you pray and you're holding hands with your neighbors, especially when your neighbor's ready to give up, is your neighbor may just need someone to hold her hand or his hand and say, do not give up. So will you turn to your neighbor and tell him not to give up? Say it to the other one too. Hey, listen, I'm real serious about this. Someone may just need you to look them in the eyes and tell them not to give up. Don't let your neighbor give up. 
Don't let them give up. It's okay. We'll just pray. It's fine. So when we are praying, when you are holding hands with your neighbor, we are praying for you, but you are praying for them too. Because your neighbor may just need you, just some of the little bit of faith you have in you to infuse into them. There's more here than meets the eye. You have their names? Yeah, will you bring it to me? Thank you. Good find. Good internet stalking. I've got a couple of dudes I want you to look up for me. Just kidding. I'm not. Um, her husband's name is Jonathan Pitts. Their children are Alina, Caitlin, Cameron, and Olivia, all daughters. God will take care of them. This is the plank we will hold for that family. And we will hold the plank for our neighbor, and we will hold planks in our own lives. And you will never do that exercise again. Because <laughs> you'll be like, God, I can't do it with my body and my spirit. You got to pick one. That's how I talk about it, at least. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this house and what you're doing here. God, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you that you see us. And God, for all the stories in our lives where we're going, yeah, I don't know what God's doing, and I want to give up, but I won't give up. Would you come and rescue? God, for our neighbor who needs to see your power, would you do it? For our neighbor who needs to feel your love, would you do it? For our friends who just need you, would you do it? And God, we pray. I thank you for Winter's ministry. I thank you that she serves you so faithfully. And I thank you that she has hugged you today. God, would you tell her hi for me? We thank you that her legacy lives on in her writing and in her words and in her daughter. And God, we just rally around Jonathan and those girls tonight and we say, we will plank where they can't. We will hold on to what is true about who you are. We ask you, Holy Spirit, would you be more to them than they ever knew you could be? Would you, would you bind those girls to you? When they try to untie from you, would you be bound to them? Would you answer every prayer Winter ever prayed for her girls? You are good, and your love endures forever. And we believe it in our lives, and we believe it in our neighbors' lives, and we believe it in our friends' lives. And we thank you. We thank you that you can be trusted with our waiting and with our pain and with these things that we are holding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.